When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ah, welcome back to Her Tell. She's a favorite. I know this because you people keep asking me when she's coming back. Here she be, Sarah Stook from over in jolly old England, which is mostly rainy and dreary England That's because the East, yeah, the East Coast of England in the wintertime, uh, it, you may have heard it rains once in a while. How are you doing with the rain? Is all well with you? Well, I'm going to go out and get a chippy later, so I'm hoping it doesn't rain when I'm going to get that chippy. Chippy? Fish and chips. I know what that is, but you got to tell everybody else what it Fish is. Fish and chips. All right. I also like where you do the sandwich where you just put the french fries on the white bread and fold it over. That one's always fun, too. Um, Culinary geniuses we are. Screw the French. The British do the real thing. You know, English food gets a bad rap, but you know what it is? Is because they compare it to like, we think of French food as fancy. If you think of English food as like comfort food or soul food or country cooking, it, it's all fine. It all matches up fine. That's the trick to it. But exactly. look, I've been to England. I like the food. The food was fine. I will take up for your food. Anyway, you do what you always do and you poke fun at us. You did a whole series on presidential runners up. I got a kick out of this because I love history. It gives us a little bit of perspective on the present and where we're going in the future. What lesson do you take from presidential runners-up? Because it's really interesting who hasn't become president and who's lost when you go to look at these lists. I mean, sometimes it's an absolute landslide, and then sometimes it's extremely close. If you look at you know Samuel Tilden versus Rutherford B. Hayes, you know, they had to throw it to the House and they throw it to the courts, and people have to decide who aren't you know the voters because it's that close and you get you know people who are really experienced who fail or sort of newcomers or someone like um brian who ran three times and just never won what once poked out at you this is a multi-part series like usual over on elections daily we'll link to it like we always do but um what what stuck out with you i know you mentioned that you know the post-civil war runners up there was a lot of democrats they had like a streak of them there for a while there's some really big names in history like you just mentioned that are runners up what really stuck out to you though when you did this whole series well i think there's sort of no guarantees of success as it were especially when you're running against a popular incumbent if you look at 1984 i've, I've still got quite a few to write but 1984, um, Mondale versus Reagan. Reagan won 49 states. He was 3,000 out of winning Minnesota. That's inc- that wouldn't happen today because, you know, you've got states that are so partisan, it's untrue. Yeah, Mondale didn't stand a chance. Like He tried to do the gimmick. He tried to get the um, female candidate vice president. No guarantee. Um, but I suppose back then, vice presidents weren't really, you didn't really think about your running mate. Whereas nowadays... When we get to John McCain, Sarah Palin definitely took votes from 
that camp because everyone thought well if he dies she's president and yeah yeah i'm not i'm not sure that's geraldine ferraro's fault just to be fair to geraldine ferraro but um no i take your point it's interesting though because you're from england so in the parliamentary system that sort of thing never happens because it's basically next person up and with very few exceptions which you know like this past year where you keep going through leaders um you pretty much know who the next person's going to be pretty well in advance it is a unique part of the american system because of the primary system because of things like this you do get that candidate that everybody can just go oh they've got no chance whatsoever and more times than not no chances of exactly what happens but i mean donald trump nobody thought he would when even at, when i saw first watched it his announcement 2015 i thought you know he's probably not going to get far and then he won and then he won the presidency jimmy carter had a two percent name recognition sometimes the people that you don't expect do the very best yeah it's very interesting um you also have it's interesting since we're on the topic though but we've had a couple presidents that didn't get it on their first tries you know nixon had to take a couple swings at it uh george hw bush ran against reagan famously before he became president. Now, I know Trump's going to run again. That's kind of the outlier for the last 40 or 50 years, though. Usually it's one and done and folks are done. President Biden, he ran three times. Third time he finally won, although there was a big gap. Do you think the days of multiple shots of it are going to start coming back? Is that a cyclic thing? What do you think? We've seen quite a lot of two-termers in the past few years. You've seen Clinton, you've seen um, Bush, uh, junior and obama so you know th- three in a row is quite impressive we haven't really had the days of one terms for a while so perhaps that's what's going to bring it back because you know biden is unpopular as far as i'm aware that's not so he won't win next time but it depends you know how he conducts his campaign and if it's trump against timor DeSantis, who's clearly the republican choice after he's made florida a super majority for the republicans i wonder too sarah stuck joining us like she often does when it comes to failed president we have these huge primaries now where we had you know we had what 16 people run in 2020 uh you know it's just insane how many people are running but then they run these long shot campaigns where they're not going to win. They know they're not going to win, but then they end up getting a cabinet position or they end up running for another office later or they up their national profile. How do we figure that part of it in? Because the way campaign finance and fundraising goes now, running for president is kind of its own business model now. And that's different than in the 18th and 19th and early 20th centuries where you cover these runners up where it's like, well, they failed and that was the end of their career. Now it's a business model. That's a whole different thing too, isn't it? Yeah, well, Beto O'Rourke obviously ran for president. He's also lost the governorship of Texas race twice. Oh, well, he lost the Senate race as well, sorry. So, yeah, um, people also tried. I mean, like you said, there was 16 odds, and there was people that was never going to get through, like sort of no-name, as as it were. And people, I mean, Pete Buttigieg has been, you know, Joe Biden's been a senator longer than Pete Buttigieg's been alive. To put it in perspective, like somebody that young, you got to understand is probably not. And you know, he was only really known for being like openly LGBT politician from a a, a mayorship in a small sort of city. Yeah, would the would the mayor of Grimsby be considered for a prime minister? Like, would that work? In we don't really have mayors. Oh, mayors 
he was like mainly ceremonial. It's not like there's like someone like the mayor of London actually had Mayor Grimsby couldn't tell you who it was. I have no idea who it is. It's right. in London, London's its own thing because they have you know their police forces separate from the rest of the yeah. country. They're that London's its own beast in and of itself for folks that aren't super familiar with it. It really is kind of a city state inside of the UK. From a UK perspective, do you look at something like the way we do par you know, primaries? and our presidents and the way we do our turnover, although you, you lapped us this past year, but that's outside the norm. Usually you guys have pretty good runs. Does it seem chaotic the way we do presidents and runners up in the primary system? You guys take forever to count elections. I had to wait like two, three weeks to make, to finish my prediction list to tick it all off because California, I think California 22 took a very long time. It's like, geez count how is it taking two and a half weeks are you guys i mean we do it overnight you should see sunderland follow sunderland they're always really quick with counting votes well for one thing the uk is only like 60 million people and we're 330 million so just... not every single one of them votes right this is fair but you know there's but there's things involved. You should not take forever like that. It's embarrassing. But not a, well because and here here it is, and the the criticism is because every state does it differently. You know, Florida's done instantly almost now. Twenty years ago, Florida was the worst, and they fixed their stuff, got together. And now they're the standard. Now Arizona's a trash fire when it exactly. comes to this stuff. So it's it's one of those things of our system where the states are individual. You know, you have federal elections, but they're administered by the states, and it makes it a mess. All right, that's a fair criticism. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, that's a fair criticism. Sarah Stuck poking holes into the Democratic Republic greatness of America from the bastion of craziness of the UK where you can't even keep a prime minister longer ahead of lettuce. We have stable monarchy. And I don't know if I call Charles stable, but okay. Um, I got to ask you because they're over here right now doing the tour. The um, Prince and Princess of Wales now, their new designation they're over here touring America. It's been a couple of years since they did it. Is that a big thing now when a rural comes to America? I know the Harry and Meghan things kind of skewed this a little bit because they live here now full time. Does that still get coverage when they come over here? Is that a big deal in England at all? Yeah, it's got coverage. I've seen it over the news. I mean, I'm a huge fan of um, Kate. I think she's so lovely and she's always very stylish and she's going to make a really fantastic queen. So, you know, she's always covered because I think people like her. She's pretty popular. You will see people saying oh, how lovely she looks and how good a job she's doing because she, it's nice to see someone who's likes. So just ignore the politicians. It's nice to have a 
a properly liked figure you know they've been received well apart from a few chants of usa usa when they were at a basketball game however unfortunately your little nation can be quite did you say basket goal basketball you said basket goal i said basketball you said basket goal i didn't okay but i said basketball (laughs) (laughs) it it blew my mind though when you when you see them at like a basketball game or something it's like America really does have an obsession over the English royal family. Like it's un, it's 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 unarguable that we're you just do, obsessed you guys with these don't people. have it. You guys just have like your dynasties are like the Kennedys and the Bushes and whatever. We have like gone thousands of years old family who have ruled over us. But and you are a monarchist. You like that sort of thing. Oh, we I don't like that. that sort of thing. We like it by proxy. So the weddings and the funerals and that. Right, That's... but we don't have to own it. We're just borrowing it and getting entertained by it. We don't have to actually deal with them, fund them, or be, you know, subjects They're very to cheap, to be fair. To be fair, too, since you're bringing the money up, Sarah Stoke joining us, like the thing with the with the funeral for the queen and stuff, like it got brought up like, well, this is expensive. Like, no, you don't understand the income. The Royal family is probably the biggest tourist attraction in England. Is that fair? To, like they bring in a ton of money to the you country. You guys have an inauguration every four years. We have a big wedding or a funeral once in a blue moon. The coronation will be a big one. Sure. But it's Charles has said it's not going to be a humongous expensive one. I mean, seriously, what's the list of people that are alive that remember the last coronation? Like, that's not a real big list, right? Exactly. Me, my nana and my grandma probably do. My grandfather um, served at the um, Queen's Father's funeral. He he did pass away a few years ago, though. So, yeah, not not too many. It's like mm. my parents were born way after. So it's, it's really bizarre seeing a coronation. It's going to be very big and glitzy, though, and I'm looking forward to it because I like pomp and ceremony as a Brit. Well, as it, you know, just on the averages, though, you know, Charles is well into his 70s now. So you're probably going to get at least one or two more unless yeah. something really scary happens. Probably Will and Kate and then George. Sarah Stuck, I always love talking to you. Um, let me ask you a fashion question real quick. We just had our first state dinner of the Biden administration. Emmanuel Macron of the France came over. How do you put into context you know we call it nerd prom when we do stuff like this because all the journalists and the hot they get a couple hollywood stars and they get all pretend like they're all bigger stars than what they really are and you know white house correspondence dinner this kind of stuff savage i love it when you have political theater like that and it becomes a fashion event you're a fashion person where does the political stuff like that rank when it comes to things like that you guys can just never you can never do what we do I'm sorry, we have the crown jewels, we have the tiaras and the diamonds that are older than your country. And at the same time, Jill Biden isn't really that fashionable. I don't think, like, she can wear nice stuff and she just pairs it with not very nice things. Whereas Melania Trump, I know, is very controversial, but I thought she had a really good taste in fashion. Um, Same with uh, Jackie Kennedy. Obviously, my love for Jackie Kennedy is unbound as it were and uh, caroline kennedy met with uh, william and kate i noticed i would have went with unbearable but unbound works <laughs> yeah so yeah i saw caroline kennedy met with um well and kate but yeah um i mean 
Yeah, you guys, I think it's kind of different because with the royal family, there's a dress code and what they're yeah. not allowed to wear. Like, you're not allowed to wear certain coloured nail polish. So my little pink nails would not be acceptable today. So, it's, yeah, it's different. And, yeah, there's more of it. I think there's probably more of a dress code. But, yeah, I think you guys can do some nice events. You can, when they do the White House for Christmas, you can make it quite pretty. But it's a different kind of standard, I'd say, that, you know, it'd be a lot stricter over here. Yeah, like, there, we, we don't have the royal protocol where it's yeah. so cut and dry. Of course, some of this will probably change now that the queen died because she was a real stickler for details and stuff. She Legendarily, she would read through the protocols and stuff. Um, and, and it's different because every White House is a little different. You know, the Obama White House had a different style than the Trump White House, which was just chaos. And then the Biden White House is going to be different than whoever comes next. Yeah. Um, I always found the Melania stuff a little interesting because obviously, you know, Trump's such a lightning rod and it's going to be controversial, but it's like, you know, when you think about the role of the first lady, and I don't mean this derogatory at all, but Melania is a trained model. There's probably been very few people who aren't better equipped to be the first lady than Melania was, you know, do stylish things, make it look good, stand there, look pretty, present the country. Well, like she's a trained model. This is exactly the skill set you need for the modern first lady. A very lovely sense of fashion. And I do believe yeah. if she was a Democrat and not married to Trump, she'd be on the cover of fashion magazines. Like I believe that uh, 100%. I believe that. Very, I mean, she's got, you know, she's got the model figure. She's tall and she's very slim. So she, it works for her. But yeah, I think, you know, whatever you think of Trump, she is, is was whatever, a very elegant lady like person. And I appreciated it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't think she did anything really untoward or out of bounds or embarrassing anywhere in there. Sarah Stuck. All right. We know we got part four of the uh, runners up coming out soon. Let folks know what you got going on and what you have cooking over there in the UK. Uh, five hours ahead of us at any given time. So until we see you again, because you're a frequent contributor here on Her Tell, let folks know what you got going on. Um, I'm continuing um, with my lad Sarah, my lad Sarah's on the consorts of England and Britain, a few of whom are my uh, very distant ancestors, which is quite cool. I'll be continuing with my presidential runners-up. I'm hopefully going to be writing an article about the year 1979 and its effect on geopolitics. However, I am absolutely stumped on how to do it. So it will maybe appear, but it'll probably be after the new year. I'm actually really excited about that one because you were telling me about it. All right, Sarah Stoke, we'll let you get back to doing your busy, busy stuff. Thank you so much for the time. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Religion is at the intersection of our 21st century life, even if we don't express a faith. At a time when it seems that religion isn't as prevalent as it once was, it still leaves its mark everywhere. As a pastor, I know that religion isn't something I just do on a Sunday, but it's found in every nook and cranny of my life. Sexuality, politics, social media, the economy, war, nationalism, all have some kind of religious angle to them. And as a communicator, I want to find the stories that can help people understand this part of our society that is so important to so many. Hi, I'm Dennis Sanders, and I'm the host of Church and Maine. 
Church in Maine is a podcast about the journey of faith and where it intersects with modern life. I look at faith with a journalist's eye, asking the who, where, what, why, and how religion affects some of the major issues of the day. Join me as we journey together. You can listen to Church in Maine podcasts at the website churchinmaine.org or on your favorite podcast app. I look forward to seeing you. Folks, you've heard of Ethan Brown on the Hurtel Show a couple of different times, but if you're interested in learning about how to discuss things like climate change without all the politics and doom and gloom, head over to his podcast, The Sweaty Penguin. Sweaty Penguin is a late-night comedy-style climate podcast working to add nuance, critical thinking, humor, and hope to the climate conversation. they got over 100 episodes already, breaking down weekly news stories and specific topics from the vanilla to the ADHD to the international accountability to orangutans. Yes, I know, it's a comedy thing, so just go with it. But each time, exploring different ways we can make progress on these issues while still helping the economy, health, security, and everything else we care about. Feel overwhelmed, exhausted, or excluded by today's climate change discourse? This is the podcast for you. Find The Sweaty Penguin wherever you get your podcasts or at www.thesweatypenguin.com.